But why is supported by Progressive, home of the Name Your Price tool. You say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote. Visit Progressive.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids from Vermont Public. I'm Jane Lindholm. On this show, we take questions from curious kids just like you, and we find answers. For today's episode, you're going to need to get out your flippers and maybe a wetsuit. We're going to be scuba diving, and we might even need a cage to protect us for some of our adventure. We're talking this week about sharks. Some people find sharks frightening, and it's true that some sharks, like the great white, are apex predators, top of the food chain, with big scary teeth and a bad reputation. Those strong jaws definitely command our respect, but there's more to sharks than just their teeth. They come in all shapes and sizes and have been around since the time of the dinosaurs. You have sent us a lot of shark questions, and we thought of the perfect person to help answer them. My name is Dr. Katie Lyons. I'm a shark research scientist here at Georgia Aquarium, which basically means that I look to see how sharks use their environment and how we can use that information to help conserve them. How cool would it be to be a shark researcher? The first thing we wanted Katie to explain to us is what a shark is. I bet a lot of you already know this first fact. A shark is a type of fish. It's a really ancient fish. They've been around for millions and millions and millions of years. And essentially what that means is they have keyed in on a really um, cool evolutionary pathway that they have been able to sustain for a really long time. So their basic body plan hasn't really changed that much. But when we think about dinosaurs that are now today's birds, that has changed a lot. But sharks haven't. Um, So they're a type of fish. That means that they don't come to the surface to breathe, although there are some sharks that do come up and swallow air and put it in their stomachs, and they kind of get a little bloaty, and that helps them float around. Um, But they breathe through their gills, same as like any other fish that you would see, Um, and they also don't have any bones. They're made completely of cartilage, so the only really calcified portion is their teeth which is why in the fossil record, that's the only thing we actually have of them compared to what are called bony fishes or teleos, um, which are which is what we're descended from as humans. So anything with bones originally came from those bony fishes. Um, but sharks don't have any of that. That is so cool. It hadn't really occurred to me that we don't have any fossil record of what prehistoric sharks actually looked like from their bones because sharks don't have bones. But also, did you know that any animals alive today that have bones came from bony fish? So the next time your adults tell you you swim like a fish, you can just say, well, of course, I descended from one. Exactly. Just don't try to breathe, you know, underwater without some scuba gear. (laughs) You mentioned, though, that, you know, when we think about birds and their connection to dinosaurs, most of the birds today look pretty different from the dinosaurs of the past. And sharks don't look very different. But Melanie, who's six and lives in Florida, is wondering about all of those connections. 
If dinosaurs and sharks and fish were around, then why are dinosaurs extinct and sharks and fish not? And that's a fantastic question. It really has to do with you know the meteor that hit the um, that hit the Earth, and it affected those ecosystems in very different ways. So luckily, I guess you could think about that for for sharks and other fish. Um, that that didn't have a huge impact on them, but it had a huge impact on the dinosaurs, which you know ultimately led to their extinction and the rise of mammals. Hi, my name is Theo, and I'm eight. I live in Alberta, Canada. And my question is, were megalodons the biggest shark in the world? Contrary to some of the movies that, you know, pop science um, puts out, there are no megalodons around, although it is fun to imagine, you know, what a, a huge animal like that would be. Maybe terrifying <laughs> is, an, <laughs> is another word for it. So no more megalodons, but they were the biggest sharks. Very, very, very large sharks, Yeah. It's hard to know how big megalodons actually were because, remember, sharks don't leave behind fossils in the shape of their skeletons because they don't have bones. Cartilage is softer than bones, so it disintegrates more quickly. If you want to know what cartilage feels like, try bending your ear in half or taking your finger and wiggling the tip of your nose with it. You have cartilage and bones. But back to megalodons. New research suggests that megalodons could have been as much as about 65 feet long. That would mean some megalodons were even longer than today's humpback whales. Now that's a big fish. And sharks are fish, not whales, as we heard at the beginning. Because they are fish, they breathe underwater. A couple of you asked how they do that. Hi, I'm Willem, and I'm five and a half years old, and... I live in Lubbock, Texas. How do sharks breathe in their gills? My name is Everett, and I'm five years old. I live in Calgary, Alberta. How do sharks breathe underwater? One of the coolest things to know, regardless of whether an animal breathes air through its lungs or water through its gills, is that both types of breathing are a way to get oxygen into an animal's system. Even though they're underwater, Fish need oxygen. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's a really important thing because oxygen is a key to life for all of us that undergo what's called aerobic respiration. And essentially, it's just a really fancy way of saying we need oxygen from the air that's either created by plants or phytoplankton in the ocean. Um, and we use that to, to create energy. And that's what we use to power our bodies and run around and, you know, do things. Um, so what a gill basically is, if you think of your lungs and you were to invert them and have them go from, you know, the inside out, um, that allows water to pass over the gills and they're really, really thin. So we're talking, you know, very, very, very thin, um, delicate pieces of anatomy and blood runs through those gills and it's allowing it to pick up the oxygen from the water and put that into diffuse that into the blood. And then the blood will circulate around the shark and provide that oxygen to all the tissues that are in the body of the shark or the fish. When we think about sharks, I think one of the things that people immediately think about are teeth. And people picture rows of teeth and really big teeth and teeth that are going to bite and chomp and maybe hurt people, but definitely hurt the prey of the shark. So let's talk about teeth and we can talk about some misconceptions about sharks and shark teeth. We have lots of questions. I'm Grayson. 
I'm seven years old. I live in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Why do sharks grow different rows of teeth? Hi, but why? My name's Fox. I live in New York, and I'm six years old. My question is, why do sharks have so many layers of teeth? Hello, my name is Aubrey. I am seven years old, and I live in North Carolina. My question is, why do sharks have to have so many teeth? My name is Croc, and I live in Seattle, Washington, and I'm five years old. Why do sharks have such sharp teeth? My name is Carter. I'm four years old. I live in California. My question is, why do sharks have so many teeth? It's a great question. So it's really interesting when we think about, again, the different ways that an animal has adapted to best use its environment. So like us as humans, you know, many other mammals, we um, we don't grow our teeth continuously, right? We shed our baby teeth and then we have our set in adult teeth and that's it right? I'm sure many of us actually would love to have teeth that would regrow so we don't have to go to the dentist as much. (laughs) Um, So for sharks, um, because of their habitats and the types of things, that's just part of how their evolutionary strategy. So that's how they're um, best using their physiology to to exploit their environment. My name is Jaden and I'm from Fairfax, Virginia. I am seven years old And my question is, why do sharks lose teeth every day? You know, if they break a tooth, they don't, you know, that that will allow them to regrow that tooth so they can still be an effective predator at catching those prey. Whereas if, think about us, right, if we lose a tooth, it's going to be real hard to bite into that apple afterwards if you, again, don't go to the dentist and have some help. So, you know, because of the um, types of ways that they hunt, um, allowing them to be able to replace those teeth when they break off um, can be a really effective strategy for them to be able to be good hunters. And how do they how do they keep growing those teeth? How does that work inside their bodies? Yeah. So in their mouth, they think of like a conveyor belt, or if you've been to the airport and you see your luggage on one of those things, it's the same sort of thing. So they're producing their teeth kind of like underneath their gums in a place where you can't even see. And as those teeth rotate forward, they mature, so they become hard, they become calcified, and they rotate to the front, and then they eventually do fall off. So they're not all mature when a shark is born. That shark isn't born with a billion teeth. Not a billion teeth, no. They will, re- they will grow teeth their whole life, so it's pretty cool. Oh. And some sharks, when they lose a, teeth, a tooth, they lose a whole row of teeth, right? So not just one tooth at a time like we do with our baby teeth. Yeah, exactly. And some um, stingrays, which you can think of them as flat sharks, they also have teeth, but they have more plates of teeth. So they too also will go through this conveyor belt as well. Um, and you can actually find like, you know, these chunks of those row plates um, of their teeth. Hi, my name is Jean. I'm from Canada. I'm five years old. Why are sharks' teeth sharper than humans? My name's Sophia, and I am four years old. I live in Virginia, and my question is, why do sharks have teeth, big teeth, and why do they eat fish?
Different sharks have different numbers of teeth, they have different shapes of teeth, and they have different rows of teeth. And how some of that has to do, again, with the type of prey that they're eating, um, because that makes them, again, a good predator for that particular thing. So let's say you're like, you know, really focused on eating slippery fish. You know, you might want a lot of really needle-like teeth so you can be able to grab onto that really slippery fish. But if you're something like a tiger shark that, you know, specializes on eating on turtles, you might not need a lot of teeth, but you're going to need really big teeth that have those real large serrations in it to cut through the shell. So the teeth are adapted, um, or the shark is adapted again to specializing on its particular prey item. Well, I'm glad you're talking about what sharks eat because Ezra wants to know more. I'm four years old. I live in Ogden, Utah, and my question is... Do sharks eat fish? A lot of sharks eat fish, yeah. And and if we think about fish, that's right, a really general way. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of species of bony fish. They actually are one of the most numerous taxa. Um, and they have all kinds of really, really cool adaptations themselves. But that also means that, you know, we're generalizing um, pretty broadly about, you know, eating eating fish. But there are all kinds of them. So I just want to focus on the fact that there's not just one type of prey, um, even though that whole word encompasses the word fish. Do all sharks eat meat? Uh, yes. So all sharks are um, carnivorous in some form or fashion. Um, you do have some sharks that specialize in filter feeding, and they're feeding on zooplankton and phytoplankton, but mostly they're there for the small zooplankton. So if we think about a food chain, right, we have the sunlight that comes down to the ocean. We have the phytoplankton. Phyto means plant. So we have those plants, those we'll call them sea plants for now, that are, you know, taking that sunlight and harnessing it into um, chemicals that then a zooplankton, so even a, an even tinier thing is eating, and then that could be eaten by a whale shark or a basking shark, so some other large, you know, larger predator. But in general, yes, we have, they're all carnivorous. And do some sharks eat other sharks? Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Who? What sharks are eating other sharks? Well, you have great whites that will eat other sharks. Um, you have tiger sharks that will eat other sharks. Um, you have um, sand tigers and sandbars. So um, pretty much all those animals, except for the white shark, obviously, we have here at Georgia Aquarium. When we come back, shark attack. Okay, not really. But we will talk about why sharks occasionally bite humans, which, by the way, is a very rare occurrence. And we'll learn about why you should respect but not fear sharks. And in fact, you might want to help protect them. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids. I'm Jane Lindholm. We're learning all about sharks today with Katie Lyons, a marine biologist with the Georgia Aquarium who studies sharks. Even if you don't know much about sharks, you know that a lot of people are afraid of them. A lot of movies and TV shows feature shark attacks. And occasionally there's real news about someone getting bitten by a shark. I'm not surprised that some of you have questions about that. My name is Desmond. I am eight years old and I live in Pennsylvania. I want to know why do sharks eat people? My name is Carson. I am nine years old. Do sharks attack you for the fun of it? My name is Sienna, and 
I am from Sable, and I am four and a half. And my question is, why do sharks bite? My name's Elias. I am six and a half years old. I live in Chilton, Washington. Why are sharks dangerous? My name is Ed, and and I'm five and a half. And I want to know why sharks sometimes think people are food. I don't think any shark particularly likes to eat humans. We're not great prey. I mean, we're, you know, generally lean. We don't have like a blubber layer like a seal. And really what the shark is after is fat. It's fat and oil. That is a really energy heavy um, item. So, you know, think about if you were eating marshmallows all day or a peanut butter sandwich, right? You're going to want the peanut butter sandwich because you're getting a lot more nutrients, you know, from that. These animals, you know, they're not wanting to eat us, but sometimes mistakes can happen. Um, and that's, you know, usually where, you know, becomes a very unfortunate event. But some people, because of that, are afraid of sharks. Can you talk to us a little bit about whether we should be afraid of sharks and how we can be safe if we live near or are visiting the ocean where there might be sharks like great whites? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to have a healthy respect for the ocean, right? We have to remember that we're entering their environment, right? Um, and so we do have to be conscious of our actions and making sure that we're being safe, right? So, you know, if I was in a place where, you know, great whites lived, I might not choose to go surfing at six o'clock in the morning during times when I know that they're around because I'm just, you know, I look, I'm going to look like a seal on a surfboard. So I might choose maybe, maybe I'll go surfing in, you know, at 3 PM instead um, when hopefully less of those mistaken identities can occur. Um, so I think we have to be conscious about the choices that we're making um, and have a healthy respect, but we don't want to be so fearful that we don't learn more about these animals and the important roles that they play in the environment. Because even though they have lots of teeth and they can be scary, um, they are really cool animals and they play important roles in our ecosystems. Has people's fear of sharks led to bad things for sharks? Yeah, I mean, sometimes our fear can drive us to do things that maybe aren't the most, you know, scientifically sound. Um, so sometimes, you know, when accidents happen, that can cause people to say, hey, we want to go out and, you know, um, kill a bunch of sharks to try to find the one that bit this person. Well, that's pretty much an almost impossible thing to achieve. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, an accident won't happen in the future. You're just, you know, kind of killing a bunch of animals for no reason. So while we should respect the role that these top predators have in the ecosystem, most of us don't have any reason to fear them. And if you live near or are visiting the ocean, ask your adults to help you learn more about all the really cool creatures you might encounter there and what you need to know to be safe, so you are armed with knowledge, not fear. You all have so many questions about sharks that we actually gave Katie Lyons a kind of a lightning round here at the end. My name is Valerie. I'm seven years old, and my brother Ben is three. And we're from San Diego, and we want to know, do sharks sleep? My name is Josie. I'm eight years old. I live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And my question is, do sharks actually sleep? 
We do know that sharks um, can go through periods of rest. Um, there's some really cool research where people have been looking at the brain activity of what happens when a shark is swimming around and when it is resting. And you do see that that brain activity does lower. Now, whether that means like sleep as what we would consider sleep of like, you know, crawling into our bed and having dreams at night, I think that would be, that's a little hard to know, but they certainly do go through periods of rest where they are um, reducing that brain activity. Obviously, different species have different needs. Some species can lay on the bottom and respire or breathe um, by what's called buccal pumping, which basically means they have the ability to suck water in over their gills like we were talking about earlier. Other species have to move continuously in order to force the water over their gills because they can't you know, suck it in themselves. So for those species, um, obviously that's a little more challenging to try to study, but it's likely that they probably do go through periods of autopilot, right? Where you're kind of just like staring off into space, you're walking, but you know, your brain activity at that level might not be as much. My name is Benny and I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm five and a half years old, and my question is, do sharks have noses? Sharks most definitely have noses, yes. Um, they're really great animals at being able to detect odor scents in, in the water. So if we think about a swimming pool, if you were to drop one drop of blood into a swimming pool, they would be able to detect it. Now, I say that also saying that it's not that we'd, we'd need that one drop to diffuse or spread out over the entire swimming pool. So it's not like if you drop one drop in this corner, a shark is automatically, you know, going to know what that is. It's just to give you an idea of the scale of the sensitivity. Um, so they're very, very good at smelling. Oh, I see. So they're not smelling that drop of blood from very far away. It's just that when that drop of blood sort of blends into the water, it can even be such a such a minuscule part of something, but they can smell even the teeniest little whiff of it. Absolutely. Why do sharks even spot dolphins? That's Everett, who's three and lives in California and wants to know how sharks spot dolphins. But Katie, do they spot dolphins? Um, well, some sharks have decent vision, some not so much, um, but they also have this other really cool sense called a lateral line. And a lateral line basically means that on the side of their body, they have these special pores that are able to detect vibrations in the water. So that would be one way that a shark without even seeing a dolphin would be able to detect that a dolphin's there. And they probably will skedaddle from the area, if I'm being honest. So. They don't like to be around dolphins. Not usually. so much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is that? Why aren't they friends with dolphins or why don't they eat dolphins? That's that's a good question. Uh, you know, dolphins are a top predator, a very intelligent animal. That's not to say that, you know, all sharks are dumb or anything, um, but they and they like have pods. You know, it's a strength in numbers thing that might come down to it, too, where it's like, you know what? I might just remove myself from the situation and not tempt fate. <laughs> How do sharks communicate? That's Mason, who's eight and lives in Arizona. So um, definitely body language. 
right? So there are some um, folks from early researchers in shark biology that have looked at shark behavior, and you can see differences in their body language, similar almost like we can think of humans, right? As you know, if we shy away from somebody or we want to be close to somebody, right, we're going to alter our body language to, to communicate that. So sharks can do some of that same thing as well. Um, it's likely that there's probably odors too that we don't even know how to, how to sense, but they know how to sense it because, again, they have those really good noses. So those are probably some of the ways that um, sharks do communicate with each other. But they don't make noises? Not to my understanding. Do you have a favorite kind of shark? I have a favorite flat shark, and that is the round stingray, which is a native species of ray to uh, Southern California, where I'm from. And it's a species that I did all of my master's and my PhD work on. And so they're very near and dear to my heart. And they have a lot of really cool biology, too. Will you tell us about them? Oh, sure. I mean, think of a dinner plate that's about as big as they'll ever get. Um, they're brown with like really pretty spots and they have a tail that has like a little paddle on the end. Again, very endearing. Um, females will give live birth. And one of the really cool things about this animal, um, along with other rays, is that when mom is pregnant, she'll actually secrete a fluid um, where the babies are held. And those babies will drink that fluid, which is called uterine milk. And that is one way that mom can provide a lot of resources to make her babies nice and big and strong so that when they're born, um, they're born with a lot of resources and have the best head start possible. What's another cool shark that kids might want to do more research about? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, we have a lot of really cool animals here at Georgia Aquarium, which is what makes it a really great place to work. Um, one of the species that we're doing a lot of conservation work right now is the zebra shark, um, also called the leopard shark in Australia. So these are animals that lay eggs. So contrary to the stingray that I was just telling you about, these animals, um, which give live birth, these animals will lay an egg and a shark will actually hatch out of that egg. Um, and when they're born, they're born black with white stripes. So they look like a zebra, which is why we here in the United States call them a zebra shark. Um, but as they grow up, those stripes turn into spots, which is why they're called a leopard shark um, over in Australia. Huh. What's the smallest shark that there is? Um, I believe that's a species called the pocket shark. Um, it's a deep water species, and it literally is a shark that you can put in your pocket. Um, you know, it's about the size of your hand, if not smaller. <laughs> a pocket shark sounds pretty cool, but I don't think I'd actually want to pick it up and put it in my pocket. We could probably talk about sharks all day. That's because there are hundreds of different species, and they're all a little bit different and really interesting. Katie says that's what makes sharks important to learn about, too. Sharks are a super fascinating group of animals. I think, you know, you have the whole tooth aspect, right, that is just inherently fascinating to us. Um, and the, all the amount of adaptations, they, you know, have everything from, again, the whale shark, which is this huge, huge animal, all the way down to that little pocket shark that we were talking about and everything in between. You know, they occupy the deep ocean, they occupy the coast, um, and they have all kinds of really cool biology that, um, that they have evolved that makes them really cool to study. But besides that, I think they're also really important ambassadors for the ocean. And 
us, you know, wanting to protect these animals, if, if any, for any other reason, because they're cool, um, besides all the really important ecosystem functions that they perform to help keep the ecosystem in balance. So if you want to be able to keep the oceans safe for all kinds of sharks, you need to do your part to make sure you're keeping trash from getting into the ocean and that you're helping to encourage adults to keep our environment healthy for all kinds of animals. Thank you so much to Katie Lyons, shark researcher with the Georgia Aquarium. If you live near an aquarium, they're often good places to learn more about and actually see marine animals in person that you might otherwise never get a chance to lay eyes on. That's it for this episode. If you want us to tackle one of your questions about whatever makes you curious, send it to us. Have an adult grab a smartphone to help you record yourself telling us your first name, where you live, and how old you are, along with your question. Then your adult can email that file to questions at butwhykids.org. We can't answer every question you send, but we do listen to all of them, and we love hearing what you're curious about. Also, we always send a note to your adult to let them know when you're going to be in an episode. But Why is produced by Melody Baudet and me, Jane Lindholm, at Vermont Public. Our theme music is by Luke Reynolds, and our show is distributed by PRX. We'll be back in two weeks with an all-new episode. Until then, stay curious. Bye.